0: It's not calling you Josh Frydenberg, it's calling you Dosh Frydenberg.
1: Under the coalition, taxes for hard-working Australians will always be lower. You know, I don't hold a hose, mate, and I don't give you the control.
0: control. They're answers that only can come from Victoria, I'm afraid, because that's not my job.
1: But well, I ain't spending any time though, because in the meantime, every three months, a person is torn to pieces by a crocodile in North Queensland.
0: Well, g'day, listeners, and welcome once again to the Two Jacks, uh, where we look at all matters Australian and then go around the world. And joining me, as usual, is Hong Kong Jack. And tell me, Jack, uh, in Hong Kong, a daredevil has fallen... (laughs) I'm trying to figure this out in metres. Probably a good 20 or so to his death uh, after climbing up a skyscraper in Hong Kong. Uh, Yeah, I think he's on the 50th or 60th floor, um, uh, which is... uh, Hong
1: Kong's the most vertical city.
0: 721 feet. Yeah. Mm.
1: It doesn't really matter after about five floors anyway. No, I think once you get to about four metres, that's just about it. Yeah, no, Hong Kong's the most vertical city in the world. We have, um, I think, uh, something like 900 and something, what they call skyscrapers, uh, and the next biggest city, New York, has about half that, and Dubai, a few less than that. Um, So... Um this, is one, this fellow is one of these chaps who you see on Instagram who kind of makes a living out of posting things on Instagram. Um, and his specialty is climbing up tall buildings and posting I, photos of him. I'm just going to up there, Jack.
0: We, are, we, we need to talk in the past tense when we come to this fellow, not the present.
1: No, no. Uh, anyway, um, uh, he, he was up on Tregunta Tower, a, a very expensive apartment building at the top of Mid-Levels. Um, uh, mid-levels being that level halfway between the water and the peak. Uh, and uh, something went awfully wrong. Um, uh, he was seen tapping on the window by uh, the maid in the penthouse apartment, um, but before she That'd could be assist him by getting people up there to help him down, he had disappeared, and I think he was found on the swimming pool concourse at the bottom.
0: 219 metres, Jack, so not 20, a long way away from my, <laughs> my metric conversion. Yeah, uh, after about a metre five, it doesn't matter a whole lot. Um, yeah, well, <clears throat> goodbye to Remy Lucidi, 30, uh, a, a climber, a tower climber around the world who has uh, fallen to his death. One of the occupational hazards, probably the major one, Jack. I that would have sort of so. caper. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, in Australia, um, and in Sydney in particular, we've had a spate of gangland violence um, uh, really escalated last week with uh, uh, another uh, shooting murder and a number of shooting incidents. Um, and um, it's telling us, Jack, that our cocaine is too expensive. <coughs> That's a, When we look at this from a marketing point of view... Um, our cocaine is so expensive now, up to sort of five hundred dollars a gram for quality, and that means a lot of players are coming into the market uh, marketplace, uh, not having dealt with uh, some dangerous villains in uh, in Mexico or Colombia or Venezuela. Um but simply buying from end-user countries like the United States and then bringing it into the country where they can, you know, sort of make profits sort of 10 times what they've uh, paid uh, for uh, uh, for the gear in, uh, in wholesale prices in places like the States and Europe. And that's introduced a lot of hoods into the place um, that we might not have otherwise seen. And... Uh, and they are threatening the, uh, the established network known as the Commission, which is a Comanchero construct, the OMCG Comanchero. Uh, and, uh, and it's in, indeed involved groups like the Albanian Mafia coming into this country. Uh, the Commission sets the price and sets the distribution network almost like a monopoly under challenge. And that's essentially what's going on here. Um, uh, One of those uh, victims of recent shootings is a fellow by the name of Alan Meradian, and he was uh, shot dead in his car on June 27 in uh, Bondi Junction. Broad daylight, 8.30 in the morning, cars and people everywhere, and and he was known as a Comanchero Associate. Um, in 2011, he had been convicted and sentenced to prison for, I think, 10 years. It's difficult to find that out uh, for his role in the Golden Gun Cocaine Smuggling Ring. And, again, the cocaine was coming not from uh, the Sinaloa cartels or, or from Medellin. It was coming from Chicago. Um, so we can expect to see a fair bit more of this, Jack. Now, is the answer... Perhaps decriminalisation or legalisation, because whatever we're doing here is not working. Um, uh, very hard to get rid of cocaine out of the out of the marketplace. It's a really, um, it's a really, it's got a really interesting history in Australia. It was banned for use well ahead of all the other sort of known recreational drugs, um, which most of, most of which were banned in the sixties and beyond. Um, in Australia, but uh, in cocaine was actually um, banned in New South Wales in I think 1924, and then Victoria followed, and all the other states and territories followed thereafter. Um, and it caused an absolute crime wave. It wasn't the only reason for a crime wave in Australia, but in the 20s we had a lot of uh, cocaine-related violence when it was first when it was first prohibited. But before that, you buy it over the chemist at the counter over-the-counter, I should say, at the chemist. Um, and um, and maybe we should go back to that, Jack. Because well, from didn't a simple a marketing to- point of view, the Coke's too expensive, mate.
1: So you could go to the pharmacy rather than call a taxi driver?
0: Well, <laughs> it's not quite as simple as that these days. They, I, I see the police are routinely sort of knocking over these rackets where you, you know, you, you send a text and then someone will just turn up uh, with a delivery, um, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty easy to knock off, and that's a sort of very low level distribution. But this is a drug, I mean, a, 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 this is a drug that tends to find its way into the higher echelons of society, Jack. Uh, it's very popular amongst the financial services community all around the world. I believe some of the legal people might even dabble every now and then. Yes, I think that's it, possible. It is indeed possible. It, it, this, this is actually making global news. There was a piece in The Times yesterday um, yes by their Australian correspondent which talk, which spoke about all of the violence. Uh, and, and we did have a particularly grim image of a couple of, was a couple of school, school boys, primary school boys walking past a crime scene where our uh, fairing David Stemmler had been shot dead, a 28-year-old man with a, a vast array of ink on his body and around his neck. Um, and, uh, and while these kids were sort of wandering past on their way to school, there was this—there was a basically forensic police looking at a crime scene, um, blood everywhere, uh, uh, a sheet drawn up over the body. It's almost like we're sort of normalising murder in. Uh, in, in Sydney's west and maybe there needs to be a different way of looking at these things um anyone involved in these shootings and and uh, violent reprisals and what have you they should face you know the, the absolute extremes of, uh, of prosecution and sentencing but
1: i just wonder but, if but they this could is also just- have had a couple of uniforms there um, just doing a little bit of crowd control
0: uh, it was pretty poor, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was pretty poor. But 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 I think that's the the take home image for a lot of people that this that this is becoming sort of normalised now. Uh, drug law reform is a very difficult thing. Um, uh, uh, British Columbia, the province there, has just begun a process because their, co- their their courts were just choked with you know minor pinch possession sort of things. Um, m- m- marijuana is uh, or cannabis is. Uh, has been legalised in Canada for a long time, but they are undertaking a bit of an experiment now in um, British Columbia, where they, where possession uh, of actually reasonably large amounts of drugs like cocaine, heroin, oxycodone, MDMA, and these sorts of things, um, uh, won't lead to uh, uh, any criminal uh, prosecutions, but will direct these people towards the health. Uh, health departments and of course Portugal has done this for a very long time because they had huge numbers in HIV uh, from um, uh, from uh, people injecting uh, drugs like heroin um, and they've, they've had they've decriminalized now for 20 odd years but the particular problem we've got here is the price is too high so that tells me that law enforcement to a degree is is, is actually working a bit too well um, uh, and also we've got problems of you know there were, there were issues around small markets, a relatively small market in Australia, issues of geography in terms of smuggling from South America via Mexico, et cetera. Um, but, um, I, I'd always heard
1: good things about the Portuguese experiment, but the most recent reports I've heard from, including from a friend who was over there, um, that they have um, bad problems in Lisbon, Lisbon and Porto of um, sort of homeless encampments of drug users, a bit like sort of San Francisco. Um, uh, coming
0: back yeah, here. again, the, the, the effort there was to redirect from um, the criminal justice system to health, but it was never really supported very well by funding mm-hmm. and, and then their health uh, services started be, becoming defunded around it. So the lesson, I think, is that if you're going to do this, you've got to have a support service there. Otherwise, you are just going to have people just just uh, using drugs and police basically ignoring them. Um, good, Some good data sets from Portugal, including that um, the average age of young people first coming into contact with drugs, gateway drugs like marijuana, is actually ages risen from 12 to 14. So there are some good things there, but there are some pretty bad things, and in the end, I think we could solve this problem, Jack, if we just made cocaine extremely cheap and extremely extremely available um, to people like uh, those who work in the finance industry, and uh, we wouldn't have so much bloodshed on our streets. If you had to go to something like
1: the um, uh, Department of Main Roads and queue up um, uh, and get it, that would kill the thing off because there would be no fun. <laughs> well, in it. Yeah, well,
0: no, you wouldn't be getting rid of your, you wouldn't be getting rid of your uh, black market with that. Um, but uh, yeah, um, uh, long history well, well, now. Well, well,
1: if- I think you would actually not not all of it, but
0: quite. I mean,
1: the people in the financial services business—they don't want to be wasting their time having to queue up and get it. No.
0: Um, so, the, so that that black market's still going to exist. I mean, part, and look, I, part I, I of just, the part of the fun is it, it is its illegality. Yeah, I, I'm not so sure about that. Yeah, look, it may well be that we're not seeing that in data from places like Portugal, for example. We're still seeing people using drugs. It is a, you know, it's a human it's a human thing that we uh, that we like intoxicants and. Um, uh, and and there's really no spoiling that. But what we've seen from really a hundred odd years now is that prohibition's not working terribly well. Yeah. Um. Now we just want to talk about the uh, communications minister Michelle Rowland has has uh, uh, launched a, a bill, a draft bill. Um, uh, to crack down on misinformation and disinformation. Now, you and I have different views about this, Jack. Um, um, but just to give our listeners an idea, the bill is in draft form. It's been put out into the community and um, with uh, public submissions being requested. So this, this, this bill is not anywhere near going through the parliament at the moment. Um, and I think you've noted here, Jack, that, uh, that the opposition then in government late last year had a similar act or bill, I should say, uh, on, on the table to deal with misinformation. Um, the point here that you, that, that you want to make is that the mainstream media will not be subject to any of this.
1: Yeah, Miss uh, Rowland says the professional news content is specifically included. I'm just wondering what is professional news content?
0: It's actually, I mean, this is why you've got to get these things absolutely, absolutely right. And and so I think the process is the right one. The draft bill is out there. I know there are a lot of people in the freedom and anti-vax movements who are very upset about all of this, including our some of our friends in the neo-Nazi movement, very, very upset about this, which is probably a good thing. Um, and... Um, so, so we're going through a community consultation process because you don't want um, uh, uh, you don't want um, un, um, un, unintended consequences on something like this, particularly if you're going to criminalise matters of freedom of expression. Um, well, the bill but- won't do that. What, what the bill will do is allow
1: ACMA to fine tech companies, um, media distributors. Um, who don't um, uh, censor in the way that
0: ACMA thinks they should. There's that component in the bill, Jack, but having had a look at it, there is also a component that suggests not um, custodial sentences but fines to those who actually post these things. So there is that element in this draft bill, and I think if you're going to do that, you've got to get it absolutely right. But... um, uh, uh, the, the there are particular problems around misinformation and disinformation and and I think what this bill is trying to do is to say let, let's measure the harm so there actually has to be measurable harm so the example I can think of is let's say and this has actually occurred where you have a group promoting um, anti vaccines to children uh, and, and that led to, and this you know, this is actually what occurred in New Zealand, uh, there was a, a, a push uh, amongst Maori and Islander populations in New Zealand not to vaccinate their kids for uh, measles, mumps, and rubella, and, um, uh, and that in turn led to an outbreak uh, in the islands in Samoa, and some of it went all the way to Perth. Um, and we had some problems here too, and they had problems in New Zealand. And so the measurable there would be someone's actually spread this. Hello, Bobby Kennedy Jr. And and someone has and, and then and then people have followed that misinformation, and that it has led to outcomes, very serious outcomes, of deaths of young children and an outbreak of measles where it would not have otherwise occurred. Yeah, so,
1: I, I just wouldn't don't believe in giving a body like ACWA the power to decide what's misinformation and what's not. What, what interested me about um, Michelle... no, 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 to... no,
0: let's go back. Let's go back. If someone is proposing that, let's say, uh, a, a vaccine, uh, a, an MMR vaccine will render children uh, 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 with a higher risk of autism and therefore... Parents don't get their kids vaccinated for these illnesses, and that leads to a, an outbreak. Well, there you've got measurable harm. Yeah, that that's okay. Yeah. But, it, but but this
1: that doesn't doesn't restrict it to talking about the children's vaccines. It says misinformation. It's just misinformation. an example. Someone's got to decide what that is, and ACMA shouldn't be the body to do it. In fact, no government body should be deciding that.
0: No, 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 no. You. <laughs> If you allow these things to run rampant, then you've you've actually got measurable harm. So this is this is this is when you look at the draft bill, and it is draft. You you actually have to say, okay, here's the here's the misinformation. Now the misinformation is invidious. It will be all around the place, but where it occurs to lead to measurable harm. That's where ACMA can intervene and say, okay, well, we, we know that this is misinformation and we can talk to the platforms, we can talk to the social media platforms and have it removed um, if they don't follow those policies anyway. But here we have an example of someone uh, of someone promoting something that leads to measurable harm. That's when a prosecution can take place and fines yeah, be we We're going
1: to have to agree to disagree about this because I I don't agree with you. Um, but... What interested me about this was to exempt professional news organisations, and my view is that one of the good things that's happened to the media in the last 10 or 20 years has been the democratisation of that, Um, that any two chaps with a couple of computers can be a a podcaster. We can do radio. So why should we be treated differently to ABC Radio? I don't think their fact-checking is any better than ours. Oh.
0: Yeah, but I I think you're getting caught in the weeds of this. That that, that if you express something, and and this will affect podcasters, by the way, this bill will affect if it gets through the Parliament after community consultation, etc. But I think you're getting caught in the weeds here. If you make a mistake, if you say something that um, that, that is factually wrong, well, what you should do, like the mainstream media does, is correct the record, but if you allow that... To just spin in your podcast or in your social media posting, that's okay. But when it gets to a point where people die because of that information or well, that misinformation that is spread by people that is patently that is patently false, did anybody die from the ingestion of bleach
1: um, uh, um, uh, during your COVID? Yes, because that's that's the example that um,
0: um, Michelle Roland. Um, yes, uh, put they did. Most, most, and look. There's, you know, and I don't want to get caught in the weeds on this, but there are indeed, you know, religious groups in the United States who promote the consumption of bleach. There are others who have actually promoted uh, the use of bleach to uh, where a child, where where a parent of a child, um, uh, where that child has autism. Uh, there are religious groups around that are saying. <laughs> Feed your child bleach. Not only feed your child bleach, but buy the bleach from us. Yeah, and there
1: are people who are calling um, uh, ivermectin horse faced. Uh, there was lots of disinformation. No no, no, no,
0: no, 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 no. Don't, don't go down that road because that's absolute nonsense, right? I mean, that's that's absolute nonsense. No one would be getting prosecuted under this for for spreading for spreading ivermectin unless 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 people were taking ivermectin at doses that were recommended by the person spreading misinformation that were patently harmful. Well, uh, that, that what, what we're talking about is, I'm... is I'm... young children being hospitalised with um, esophageal burns and often death because they've been administered bleach, because they've been, their parents have been told that it will solve their autism, which is patently wrong.
1: I'll, I'll look forward to seeing some figures on that because I haven't seen anything on that at all. Um, the trouble is ACMA shouldn't be deciding this, but we, th- there's no point in us going over again. You're never going to convince me. So ACMA shouldn't no, be deciding I just this.
0: see you, where you've got a threat, where you've got measurable harm, where you've got measurable harm being administered by anti-vaccination yeah, groups. You
1: said, you, you said that, but I'm not convinced. Okay. Never will be.
0: Well, I, I just, I don't, I, I just don't understand why. I mean, basically someone's got to make the call. And, no. and the call is, let's say, here's another one for you, that once you are vaccinated with a COVID vaccine, that you are delivered nanobots that will kill you.
1: Right? Yeah, that that's as wrong as saying no one is safe until we're all safe. The cure for misinformation is more information. It is not having a body no, like ACMA. No, no, you, you, I mean,
0: you, you're, you're absolutely wrong about that. Well, and we, well, so, well, we, we saw well, this. We're why, why, not going to Why, why would so you let's see, move on. How could, no, no, we're not going to move on. Why would you see anti-vaccination groups growing exponentially through through the pandemic? Well, the solution
1: to that is more information. It is not having a body like ACMA Yeah, but you actually said on this program,
0: oh, I think we need to wait till we get all the data in on vaccines and all this sort of stuff. But these, some of these people were running around and saying, if you get that COVID vaccine, you will die. And people were saying, if you don't get the vaccine, if you do get the vaccine, you won't be able to transmit it. And that was wrong as well. Uh, people might have been that wasn't misinformation. In fact, that's... Uh, on what basis would you say that that data is wrong? That transmissibility, transmissibility was not a, was not a requirement of Pfizer or any other big pharma company in developing, Pfizer, in developing still, it. So that's the answer to saying. that. And yes, we didn't look at transmissibility, yes. but you're trying to tell me now that if you if you took the vaccine, that you basically had a, uh, as as usual... If you're unvaccinated or whether you're vaccinated for COVID, that the levels of transmissibility were the same. Now, that's not not saying that. I'm not not saying that.
1: People, I'm I'm not saying anything at all. The politicians and those health people were saying, if you take this, it will stop transmission. And it just didn't. Now, they were wrong. They might have been wrong with the best of intentions. But the cure for this is more information, not having some government body deciding what is true
0: and what is not true. Okay, so, well, when we get to nanobots, I, I, I just don't think you understand fringe politics very well, Jack. I really don't think you do because you, you're seeing a lot of people very worried about this and when people people like neo-Nazis get very worried about a particular bill, I think, yeah, I think we should have a good hard look at it. Good. There All right. Go. Sky News Australia has, well, we're basically talking about the Guardian, Turnbull and Sharon Burroughs column, Jack. Bit of rubbish, wasn't it? Um,
1: I just like the, the the free ad for um, uh, for your uh, media organisation um, uh, in there that they that they acknowledge that Sky News has three point four three million YouTube subscribers and across digital platforms, it has more than one point five billion views for all yeah, of this. that's
0: that's uh, that's a particular approach that Sky News has taken in Australia. Um, the thing that concerned me about Not that, just in but Australia,
1: but around the world. For instance, um, uh, Piers Morgan, who's everybody knows who he is, he can get anybody to come on his program and talk to him. He, he has very few cable viewers. It's all on the YouTube. That's where the money is.
0: Yeah. yeah. Look, it can be, you know, they're getting paid for the provision of their content, of course, by YouTube because of their substantial views. But the thing that concerned me most about that was the final sentence in that column... I oh, know Malcolm reasonably well and I, I, I mean it's just mischief really but a Royal Commission into one particular media organisation i um, mean, this is the Kevin Rudd push too but th- that was the final sentence uh, uh, basically which which read you know uh, uh, a Royal Commission into News Corp is now more uh, more more critical than ever.
1: Um, That translates as uh, neither of us are happy with um, uh, the the, the opinions in uh, newspapers, so we think they should be punished.
0: And of course, Andrew Bolt, rather famously, I think over the weekend, said, well, I was going to pack it in, but now I've just decided to sign a two-year contract because I want to stay here and continue to upset Malcolm Turnbull and others. Um, so it's uh, hasn't had a, a, a real benefit. The idea that media would be held in the dock is a that's a real issue for me and uh, one particular company in particular it would be a disaster It will never it will never happen because it would you know we, we would understand the, the serious breaches of of um, uh, of, uh, of the way in which our system works. No um, politician in government is going to propose this.
1: Politicians who are out of government might propose. Finished.
0: Yeah, and finished. Yeah, um, perhaps the most serious thing that's arisen in Victoria for a very long time, and there are a number of things. Jack, your your old mate Robert Redlick was um, was uh, uh, was uh, being uh, uh, being well, he was giving giving evidence to uh, an upper house committee in Victoria yesterday talking about how uh, uh, IBAC needs serious reform. You might disagree on the extent of it, but he certainly believes that um, uh, uh, Dan Andrews' government has been able to get away with a lot of stuff by saying, oh, well, there were no criminal actions. There, were, there, were, there, were, there was nothing criminal there, but there were, in fact, serious... Uh, serious examples of misconduct. So Robert Redlich's been making the papers, good piece uh, in The Australian Today about that. But the, perhaps the worst one is the Lawyer X thing. And you'd sit back and look at that as it, as it unrolled and it unrolled through the Herald Sun. Uh, they were the ones who, who, who first got to this story that uh, the police were using a, uh, a defence barrister, Lawyer X, uh, to obtain information about the movements and the, the conduct of uh, some of the very serious criminals she was representing.
1: She was a paid informant, in
0: fact. She was indeed. And now, she uh, it's not its not so much her that we're worried about. I mean, she'll be looking over her shoulder for the rest of her life. But there, but there were very se- senior police um, uh, that knew of this that spent millions of dollars of public money trying to keep it quiet, going all the way to the High Court before they got rolled, and that's when Lawyer X, the whole Lawyer X story came out. One of those, well, there are two, but let's start with uh, the uh, Chief Commissioner of Victoria Police, Simon Overland. I think he Um, wasn't Chief Commissioner at that time. He was Deputy Commissioner at the time of this. But he went on to become become Chief 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 Commissioner. Commissioner, And and then we've also got uh, um, another Chief Commissioner in Graham Ashton. Uh, and uh, Assistant Commissioner Luke Cornelius, they knew of this for a very long time, Jack, and and um, they are not being prosecuted, and it's a real disaster.
1: Yeah, that's because the the um, the, the DPP in Victoria, Kerry Judd, mm-hmm. um, formed a view that um, a prosecution the prosecutions plural, in this situation would not be appropriate. Um, That was at odds with the investigator who was um, tasked with investigating the matter, um, a former uh, federal court, uh, sorry, a former high court judge, Justice Nettle. Um, And uh, there we sit. It's not uncommon to have a different view between um, an investigator brought in and the DPP, um, but the DPP's decision is what um, will uh, carry the day.
0: I'm just going to quiz you on that. Was it Judd's view that it would not be appropriate to pursue prosecutions against uh, unlike, Overland et al? Or, or was, was it to, that, that we are unlikely to get a, a conviction?
1: Uh, unlikely to obtain conviction. but It
0: goes deeper
1: than just a simple unlikeliness to to, to, to obtain a conviction. It's um, I can't remember Sounds the like exact word.
0: Hmm? Sounds like a protection racket to me. Sounds like a protection
1: racket to me. Yeah, well, some people are going to think that, aren't they?
0: Uh, well, that's what it looks like, doesn't it? Yes. So uh, Dan's got some issues. That, that this is not really a Dan issue. This one. Um, this is a. This is really a, a public confidence and police issue. Uh, the lawyer X matter. Um, but then there are serious issues around the IBAC that. Uh, uh, Dan Andrews is saying, "You know, the IBAC's fine. I mean, the IBAC, it, the, the IBAC could be your gonna go, wouldn't it? You know, don't don't investigate unless there's criminal behaviour, and then leave it to the leave it to prosecutors and so forth. I mean, the IBAC well, think, is the I th- weakest. I think you've got to gotta leave the got to leave the prosecution to
1: the prosecutors and the political stuff to the parliament, however unsatisfactory you may think that is."
0: Yeah, well, I, I I would say that there's some 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 stuff going on. There's been some stuff going on in Victoria that needs a proper anti-corruption body, and I think your old boss Robert Redlick would
1: agree, mate. Well, he's not my old boss. He's a re- no, re- no relation. Um, Robert Redlick. Uh, but um, the there's a further problem with this now because this um, the, the well, correspondence has correspondents has been leaked. Um, it looks like perhaps from within the um, uh, from within the investigators' office, and that's actually a breach of law as well um, to, to yeah. leak that information. Yeah. So, see that. Um, so that's a, a, a very tricky situation. I don't know that there's an easy solution. Um, are there would, the whistleblower, that, would
0: whistleblower, would whistleblower, the whistleblower protections uh, in Victoria and federally give uh, that uh, the person who leaked that document any sort of uh, comfort?
1: I doubt it, actually. Um, I I, I couldn't be sure, and I think it's never been tested, but I don't think so. Um, There there have been allegations that the DPP, Ms Judd, was too close to some police because she had acted for them as a lawyer, um, uh, even gone up to the High Court, I think. Um, Now, you know as uh, we'll move on to the ACT later. But there, it's, it's a vexed position. There are, there are some problems with having the office of DPP and the power that they have. Um, uh, but at the moment, that's where it stands. <laughs> they do make the decision. Um, and there's not a lot governments can do about it.
0: So Simon Overland's back as being the CEO of, I think, uh, the city of Whittlesey, I think. Somewhere up, somewhere up there, yeah. And I think... Um, he was, um, he was a former is, Australian federal
1: policeman. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I think he'd actually worked in um, minister's uh, Worked too. in a minister's office for a while. Um, uh, I can't remember which government it was. It might have been the Hawke government um, on Sir um, and then he um, got a, a senior job in Victoria as you know. It looked like he was being groomed for one of the two top jobs, and he eventually got it. I
0: remember talking to some of his. Uh Foes within the uh, Victoria Police force, uh, some of the ex-members who referred to him as Simon Wonderland. Um, uh, yeah, both he and uh, Graham Ashton were former federal police. I think in the case of Graham, it was uh, uh, it was Vicpol first, then feds, then back to Vicpol. But uh, but uh, Simon Overland came from the AFP and then moved into Vicpol, which often causes a great deal of uh, professional envy and jealousies Jack from the various a fair bit of
1: um uh, office politics involved in police forces generally not just in Victoria but uh, generally speaking that's true
0: meanwhile in uh, Western Australia in the Rockingham by-election where uh, Mark McGowan uh, was the retired with the outgoing member (laughs) Jack a bit of a bit of a swing to, uh, to to well, <laughs> a swing against Labor, shall we? I don't know if it's a swing to the Liberal Party, but but uh, is it something that uh, WA Labor should be concerned about? They've lost no, their it's dad. Just a,
1: it's just a return to uh, uh, situation normal after the um, uh, the extraordinary result last time, and, and I mean extraordinary result last time. I, I, I'm
0: I'm trying to think. It was I think he got eighty percent of the prim- uh, of the primary vote, somewhere around somewhere of that order. It's eighty percent of the primary vote. Yeah, it was the
1: sort of result that Kim Jong Il would have been slightly <laughs> embarrassed by.
0: Yeah, I do remember. Uh, yeah, comparing the result to uh, Saddam Hussein, um, uh, the uh, the new Labor member, the incumbent Labor member, has won with 4941 percent of the primary vote. Did you look at the ballot there, Jack? There would have been uh, cricket team there, I reckon. That's yeah, there my was. Guess. Yeah. She's got the magnificent name of
1: Magenta Marshall. I just wonder whether Magenta is short for scarlet. Um, oh, very good, Jack. Very, very, very good, Jack. The, so um,
0: you've, you've, you've ripped open the colour chart. And you've had a good look, look yeah, around. I there know. I describe, I've got some memory. Uh, yeah. um, uh, liberal vote. Uh, and look, look, this is an extremely safe seat. We probably shouldn't even be talking about this. The Liberal vote was uh, polled about 17.73 of the primary vote. Yeah. So that's, that, that, well, I wouldn't be jumping up and down. He wouldn't be jumping up and down and saying, uh, "You know, it's the end of the Labor government in WA." I mean, that's that the sort of majority they enjoy is going to take at least two terms to be rid of. You would think, yeah, probably, if that's going to happen. Um, this uh, Aussie nicknames, Jack. I, I was actually once uh, had a publishing. Um, or a conversation with a publisher to to do a book on the great Australian nickname. So it's a great cultural artifact of ours, and the Australian National Dictionary wants to hear the best nicknames for our wonderful wildlife to add to its sixteen thousand strong collection of uniquely Aussie words. These things are very important. Uh, language is very fluid. We're we're very much. Um, uh, uh, driven by um, uh, external f- cultural forces from the United States, from Europe, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and where we pick up a lot of our colloquialisms, and when we do that, we tend to lose some of our own language, which is a bit of a shame. And we try some of us at least try and cl- try and hang on to it. <coughs> of course, we got the bin chicken, Jack. That'll that be already there, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, I've been so. chicken steer the only uh, build bird that really gets on in, in a in a city environment and really uh, enjoys the place. And you always see them <laughs> deep. Never saw them in Melbourne. They just love Sydney, don't they? They do love Sydney. They're everywhere in Sydney. So um, uh, there are a group of researchers, uh, lexicographers, and what have you, uh, who, who are requesting. Um, uh, uh, some some uh, some advice from from punters on uh, flora and fauna. Last year's topic was food. Jack. Yeah, it is. Um, well, I, I think these things are quite important, and I like to see them. Yeah, no, it's really important to hold that culture. Um, no one wants to walk around talking, you know, rhyming slang. I mean, it's 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 okay occasionally, but have you ever have you ever had a conversation with a bloke who just speaks in rhyming slang? It's it's actually gets very boring very quickly. Yeah,
1: although it is a, it is the mark of um, when you're really famous in Australia when you when you when you, your name is used in uh, in rhyming slang. I mean, Barry Crocker is a forgotten um, uh, 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 singer and actor, but his name carries carries on. And the and the Hunt brothers, Carmichael and Rex, will be famous forever.
0: <laughs> well, any, <laughs> anyone with a, with a Hunt surname is going to be called um, something like rhyming slang. Isn't that they're going to get that 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 will be their nickname? Rhyming slang. I think I, I did apply that one. There was, a, there was a, a,
1: a law firm in Sydney that um, uh, used to be known as
0: Rhyming and Rhyming. <laughs> I think uh, I referred to, uh, I did a list of uh, political um, uh, nicknames going back many years, going back probably to the 2010s and uh, Greg Hunt, and I determined he was to be called rhyming slang. Um, So there you go. Um, um, Yeah, important uh, stuff. I just say this, I'm
1: I'm all in uh, agreement that that language should be fluid, but
0: I dig my heels on, on less and fewer. Oh, there's a few going around. Jack, have you had it? Have you had any learnings about that? Yeah, mm. that's another one. That's just great. Comes from the uh, often from the mouths of sports people these days. And give it a yeah. No, nah, we've we've had a few learnings, and he's like, please stop talking like that. It's only because your coach talks like that, and tell him to stop talking like that. Mm. Uh, More seriously, Jack, uh, the ACT government uh, has decreed that the findings of the inquiry chair, Walter Sofronoff KC, into the Higgins-Lehrman prosecution or the prosecution of uh, Lehrman over sexual assault, uh, alleged sexual assault of Brittany Higgins, is being kept secret for at least a month.
1: Is that that okay,
0: just wait for a month? If not
1: indefinitely. um uh, no, that's I think the he, problem, isn't it? I think your friend, um, uh, your colleague Stephen Rice in the right, Australian, yeah, got, Rice, he got stuck right
0: into them, and rightly so. Rightly so, absolutely. I mean, this is part of the problem we've got. I mean, governments just aren't transparent, aren't accountable, and and if they, if their first reaction to to coming across something that has been independently found to be embarrassing to them. Mm or to one of their ilk, um, the, the, the answer is to suppress the report. And that And that's, that, that's just terrible, terrible behaviour because we don't get to look. The public doesn't get to see what's happened.
1: Because um, things clearly did go wrong in this prosecution and the public deserves to know. And indeed, Ms Higgins and Mr Lerman deserve to know what went wrong.
0: Yeah, indeed.
1: Yeah, so, i Just pull you up there for a second. I kind of object to the ACT government being called a government. It's a local council, really. It's
0: space. a government, Jack, and it's full of lovely green people. Yeah, uh, and you but can't drive, you they, drive they, around but, the city. But they should all be called the Aldermen, you know. So it's a local council. Yeah. Crikey, I drove down there. I not mean, this has been like this for a little while, but I drove into Canberra um, a while back and. Uh, and look, you expect in in CBD streets to be on a fifty k speed limit. So uh, I've just ripped out of the lights and going. Well, I will get up there because I was in a bit of a hurry on my way to Parliament, and um, they got down to forty, Jack. Uh, and I looked in the review. I didn't realise. I looked in the rearview mirror. I go, oh, I'm about a, I'm about two hundred metres ahead of everybody else out of the last light change, and I thought, yeah. oh, I'm going to get ping for sure. But God what love are, the what, greens and their inefficiency. I didn't get it. I didn't get a. I didn't, get a uh, didn't get a ticket.
1: A, why would you have a forty k speed
0: limit? The, the roads are a mile wide and there's no traffic <laughs> on them. It's three lanes. It's three lanes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just nuts. And apparently, yeah. uh, according to uh, some of my Canberra friends, they are red hot on it with uh, cameras uh, and what have you. But uh, I managed to. Uh, I managed to skate away for some reason and uh, didn't get the ticket, but I'm pretty cool, pretty careful going through there now. Um, well, uh, just meanwhile, to- meanwhile,
1: uh, meanwhile, the leaks of um, Ms Higgins' text messages continue, um, and she's very upset about that. Yeah, and, she should and, be and, too. And, and my response to that is, Someone should have told her, Lisa Wilkinson or Katie Gallagher or whatever, that if you play in the media and political game, it's a tough and relentless game, and if you take somebody on, you are going to get some incoming
0: coming back. Well, this, this is why the Sofronoff report should be made available, Jack. Yep. I mean, there are, other, there are other, there are there's some really, shall we say, iffy stuff going on on both sides, and, yeah. and, and including, uh, and including the DPP's office. Uh, and really, in terms of accountability, it is disgraceful for it to be suppressed for a month while the government wonders what it's going to do about it. Uh, and then we'll get to a month, and we will follow this up, Jack. We're on the first the of August, uh, last uh, month of winter in, in Australia. We'll follow up this on, you know, when we, when we, when we record in the, the first week of September and just see okay. if it's been released.
1: Can, you, can I just make one comment about the office of DPP generally? It's a relatively recent invention in Australia. You know, it's 30 years old or something, you know, yeah. in the Hawk, justice system.
0: Yeah, hawk-era stuff. Yeah,
1: and in the various states, all about the same time. It, 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 it's, a, it's an idea that came from the United Kingdom. Um, uh, yep. Uh, before that, um, uh, the uh, decisions were made by the Crown Prosecutor or by the Department um, it was a bit murky as to who actually made the decision to prosecute. Um, there are some weaknesses in the system, I think they're exposed by the drum gold and the lawyer X situation. There are some weaknesses in how this works. Um, and we need to have a need to have a rethink about some of that.
0: When we get back to the Commonwealth prosecutor, Jack, I remember reading a report of theirs into the conduct of John Day. Uh, Monsignor John Day, who was a prolific child sex offender. And uh, and this is the Dennis Ryan story. He sought to prosecute him and, and uh, got pushed out of the way. And uh, the report, in short, uh, was summarised like this. There is little doubt that Monsignor John Day has misconducted himself. Uh, but that was the end of it. You know, they, they <laughs> we got a bit of a leak from the from the from the uh, uh, from the crown from the crown uh, solicitor's office. I think it was known uh, known in those days. We got a bit of a release of their document that they knew that he'd done it, but they weren't going to pursue it. So uh, it wasn't all that flash going back uh, fifty or sixty years.
1: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not, um,
0: uh, claiming to
1: have the answer to this, but I think those two examples, the Lawyer X example and the, and the ACT, the Lerman Higgins Drumgold example, um, should be an opportunity for us to have another look at how the DP office works, how that decision making process works, how independent the DPP should be, um, to see whether we can make the system work just a little bit better.
0: Yeah, good point, good point. Uh, the voice, Jack, we don't have a lot to report on at the moment. Uh, there's the usual argy-bargy over op-eds and what have you. Um, there was some polling indicating that, uh, and we looked at some last week, which we should, once we sort of dug a little bit deeper, we found that it may not be all that useful and it may have just reflected on views in Victoria and New South Wales. But there is some um, some polling coming forward that, that indicates that the support for the no case is is a bit soft and uh, can be uh, you know that, that, that it's really I mean uh, I reported last week that a colleague of mine were very very pessimistic about it but uh, there's been a bit of material come forward to indicate that the no case uh, m- support for it might be a bit soft yeah it could be um, um, I well,
1: This is not polling by any means, just anecdotally. um, uh, As the pollings become um, more public or that people are aware that the yes vote is um, in a little bit of trouble, or more than a little bit of trouble in my view, um, more people are are, are now prepared to tell me that they're going to vote no than were before. Um, So I suspect there might have been um, um, some number of people. This has been happening for a while. Um, uh, that um, people who I who I, I just presumed would have been yes supporters turn out not to be when you um, when they feel free to make the comment.
0: I've just seen a little bit of hubris on the news on the no side too, Jack. Yep. You know that, that bit that oh, no, let's just kick this to death and we've got it one and now we're you know and, and I got to say, Warren Mundine, if you're listening and we know each other well, Warren, um, my hubris does not become you.
1: <coughs> um, well, it, 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 it's, it's always an unwise thing to do. Um, uh, you, you, you need that, that mythical character to, to walk around with you if in politics reminding you that you're just human. Um, uh, that you haven't become God all of a sudden, um, <laughs> but uh, I, 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 my view hasn't changed. That's, that's,
0: since that's, just, that's, that's common sense, isn't it, Jack?
1: Yes, yeah, it, it is. It is. It's a mythical. It's a mythical figure, but it, it, it makes a point. Um, the uh, my view hasn't changed. Is before Christmas since um, um, since Anthony Albanese um, announced it. I just don't think it's going to win. But um, you know,
0: um, that, well, uh, all, all I can say is that the yes campaign is designed to be short and sweet. And uh, 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 so it will be conducted over three three or four weeks, by the sounds of things, Uh, quite intense over that period. We shall see. All right. Uh, Gas connections will be banned in Victorian homes and government buildings built from next year, Jack. That's fantastic news. Great stuff. Well done, everyone.
1: I'm just just waiting for them to explain why.
0: Um, Well, I think we're talking about cost- um, so we're talking about building cost. We're also talking about a climate response as well, uh, where people will be hooked up to, uh, to, to hooked up to the Victorian and Tasmanian grids, and I think they also feed off the New South Wales grids. And not have gas. That's my only understanding of it. I know that New South Wales is not going down the same pathway. But Energy Minister and Victoria, Lily D'Ambrosio, said the changes would help a new homeowner save a thousand dollars in their energy bills. Hooray, Jack. Hooray. No no, that's a matter for the for the for
1: the homeowner to decide whether they want to save a thousand dollars in their energy bills by getting rid of their gas stars. Um, it's not a matter for the government.
0: Well, it's part of their climate response, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, but look, they, they compulsory they $1,000 f- savings and you're against it, Jack? Utterly failed to make the case for
1: doing it, and I don't think government should be doing this. In the UK, they've gone even crazier. They have a, 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 a committee of the House of Commons who has decided that cook-at-home meals should be banned. This is where I, in fact, I had one last night from Marks and Spencer, a little cottage pie and a little tin, and you put it in the oven, up, up it comes How and dare cooks. you. Now. How and,
0: dare
1: you. And, um, and because, you know, I, I was cooking for one, um, and the idea of making a, a fish pie, actually, not a cottage pie, the idea of making a fish pie for one doesn't make any sense at all. What was that
0: um, like, Jack? That can't be good. Frozen food. Frozen food that it's not involves frozen seafood, seafood. is just it's terrible. Not, it's not fro- it's not, this is not frozen food. This, right. is, fresh, this is fresh food. Um,
1: um, comes in where, where do you buy
0: this? The sort of Hong Kong equivalent of DJ's Deli. No, no,
1: Marks, Marks and Spencer, uh, the, the big, the big British chain. They have stores here. Oh, okay, as well.
0: yeah. Uh, I've got to tell you, uh, it's my- an excellent,
1: excellent product. costs less Costs less than it would cost me to make a fish pie for one, um, <laughs> uh, and and very healthy with it as well. But some comm- Commons committee has decided that they know better than.
0: The people, so they're going to do it. I just think this is all right. Well, there's a lot of fat bastards in the UK, Jack. Yeah, a lot of fat bastards. We're okay here. We're a bit svelte and, and keep ourselves fit. But uh, but uh, maybe this is a way of dealing with. That increasingly, um, look, the thing about nutrition that always gets—they they seem to sort of change their minds every ten years about what's really bad. But increasingly, sugar is the big issue for. Uh, human consumption. And I, and I actually, I saw um, sugar intake reflected in an MRI brain scan and it just lights it up, <laughs> and a bit of sugar, just lights the whole thing up, unlike anything else
1: really. Well, well you're right. Governments keep changing their mind and this is my point. Our
0: nutritionists but keep changing their minds, well, Jack. Well,
1: but the government sprout what the nutritionists tell them. Remember the food pyramid? That's exactly wrong. That's why people are so fat because they were following
0: the food pyramid. It was all the <laughs> rage. Right. Um, you remember you'd see a prize fighter, and, and you know, they'd starve themselves to make the weight and then yeah. they'd go the they, way in and they they pass their weight and then you'd see them eating, you know, an enormous bowl of pasta. That's precisely yeah. what you don't want to be doing. Now. In fact, what you should be doing is eating fats, yes. fats that are quickly – to turn into energy in the body, not carbohydrates, which sits sort of lumping in the body. So, my takeaway from
1: that is get the government out of the nutrition industry and get the government away
0: from gas dose as well. Guest days. Well, what about? Well, let's talk about food labelling, Jack. So, no food labelling, just knock yourself out. Oh, I hate the food labelling here. You know, you're partly right. look at these because, things. Need, because you're, you're, one minute you're saying give them more information, and then, then you're saying, no, let's just keep them just Just two big me, fat th- bastards loading their, loading up their, their lip and arsehole steaks and their, uh, their oven chips. Just let me
1: finish. If you're buying a product here, the local food thing is stuck on the top, and it's always stuck on the top of the information you need about the product.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, look, I've got no problem with food labeling, but more let people make informed decisions on their own. I get yeah. that. Um, I've got to quickly tell you that uh, my mother, and, my late mother, and uh, and uh, and her husband, uh, after Mum had a bit of a fall, I spoke to him and said, "Look, uh, Mum can't really cook anymore." And so we'll get you in some, you know, I, I gave him about three or four different companies of food that he could order in, basically frozen food that would arrive there weekly. They'd had a bit of a dabble while she was uh, recovering. He'd had a bit of a dabble with uh, Meals on Wheels. He wasn't all that impressed with it. But he decided on this thing, uh, well, I won't give the name of it. <laughs> and he decided after about six months was the best decision he'd ever made in his life. He jacked up about it uh, before that and then it was the best decision he'd ever made in his life. And uh, on my uh, uh, regular visits there, I'd always be offered an Irish stew or something like that from one of these frozen... Mate, fair dinkum, you wouldn't give it to the dog. You you should be... uh, uh, RSPCA would be... On, on you for feeding it to the dog. Absolutely awful. I better not say yeah. the name. Well, them. my fish pie with a glass of, uh, uh, of shardy was excellent
1: last night. There you go. But Ma- Marks and is a particularly good pie. I don't mind giving them that. Um,
0: uh, oh, them yeah. The, well, well Now you're probably on a kickback from him mate. You, you'll, yeah. you'll need to declare it, by the way, if you are. Um, Hunter Biden, Jack. Uh, will not be pardoned we're moving over to the states now hunter biden well, well, will that, not be pardoned the, by the old man
1: that's um uh, no i don't he well, I won't be pardoned uh, his plea deal is on hold for 30 days and there'll be a further hearing we'll see what happens. he's, he's well, giving
0: evidence to congress coming up i'm not quite sure next very soon next few days yes yeah, uh, yeah. So that'll be very interesting in
1: itself. Um, the, thing, the, yes. thing struck me, the thing that struck me about this is the mania people have in the media over there, the mainstream media, for saying that the Department of Justice is independent. And I've, you know, I'm not an constitution, American constitutional law scholar, but I haven't read a fair bit about it, and that's just plainly not true.
0: Well, an incoming president will appoint his attorney general. And can sack them at will.
1: Um, There there are only only three branches of government in the United States, the Congress, the judiciary uh, and the executive, and the Department of Justice is part of the executive and all of that operates at the whim of the president. Um, There is no fourth or fifth um, branch of government that is independent of the executive and the Congress. That just doesn't happen.
0: Yeah, but I mean, look, there are. It must be said. I mean, look, w- when we talk about Barr, I mean, Trump, for example, told Barr, his Attorney General, Barr, I'm, and I want you to look into the uh, the 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 election the election fraud in twenty twenty, and Barr, basically just said no. He said, yeah, "Oh, well, and- we've looked at it, and it's just all it's just all airy fairy nonsense." And, and then and we'll that's
1: be it. No- there would have been nothing to have stopped Trump sacking him on the spot for that. Except well, he wanted the, to, and then he, ex- then he was for, talked out of it. Except for the political cost he was yeah. going to pay if he did that. That's the cost of it. You always pay a political cost of this. Um, you know, I, I found a video the other day, of um, which you can see on my Substack column, of, of President Truman sacking um, Douglas MacArthur. Um, yeah, uh, that as a, as a general, at the time. Um, and there was a and big. So he big, should have, and was a big political cost to pay for that because yeah. MacArthur was um, generally popular, not universally popular, but generally popular as a soldier, generally
0: seen people. as a war hero rather yes. than the lunatic that he was.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there, but it was perfectly with perfectly within President Truman's um,
0: power really? to say, mm. yeah, yeah,
1: don't come Monday. You
0: know? Yeah, exactly right. So we're talking here about the plea deal with Hunter, uh, and and a Delaware judge looked at it and said, "I'm not happy with this at all." Yeah. So
1: it's and, and it's been set away for thirty days. Now
0: whether they can fix it in thirty days, I don't know. Mm. Uh, Ron DeSantis, Jack, oh, I just see him going backwards, mate. I, I don't think that he can reset. His polling hasn't budged. If anything, it's gone backwards. I saw a little bit of presidential polling, one suggesting that. Uh, that uh, uh, Biden would beat him. The other suggested that DeSantis would beat Biden, um, but when it comes to the Republican primary, Trump leads. You know, whether it's in states like New Hampshire or just generally across the country, tends to lead by about twenty-five to thirty points. Yeah, he's it's not a tricky making thing. Any inroads, is he? It's
1: a tricky thing, isn't it? Um, I think both parties are stuck with a candidate that um, the people don't want. Um, uh, yeah. I think um, and, that's, uh, that's right, uh, um, and, and, and 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 if one of them, if one of those dominoes fall, the other one will as well. Um, uh, if uh, if 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 Trump decided to pack it in, or his numbers did a reverse and he started to lose, I think Biden won't be the candidate either, um, uh, and
0: vice versa. I, I, I just with DeSantis, the big story really last week was that he, he would lose. He, he would lose. In his own state, and, and I think that's fairly obvious. But it was sort of highlighted in WaPo and Politico and what have you last week that that DeSantis can't beat Trump or at the, on the numbers at the moment can't beat Trump in his own in his own backyard. But Jack, he's got some particular problems that he finds very difficult. These are the sorts of things that can't win support in 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 Middle America, in Midwest America, in, in those sort of battleground states. You know, he announced a curriculum that will teach students that slavery benefited African-Americans who, and I'm quoting, gained skills that eventually parlayed into doing other things in life. Jack, that's a particular view of slavery that, you know, it's a bit rare, isn't it? You know, slavery is a good thing. Taught some people some valuable skills.
1: Wow. Yeah. Uh, it, it is one, one sentence out of a
0: 260-page <laughs> curriculum, but still, yeah, I did look back into the into in, into the you know the background, and it's actually you know the, the, the curriculum was put together by a black history professor. Yes, yes um, that is. but yeah, getting to the business of well, look, you know, slavery, <laughs> slavery. You know, I've got a bit of a bad rap all this time, and really, it was just teaching people valuable skills and allowed them to buy their freedom and move on, and, and just go. Yeah, but the problem was slavery. And I think America, like many other countries that were settled or founded in slavery, continue to have sort of weeping social problems going forward, and I count the Caribbean in there, uh, and the United States, of course, have still essentially um, uh, have been a broken or a house divided uh, well before the Civil War. Niger, Jack, what's going to happen there? Just to give our listeners some background, tell us what happened in the coup. Uh,
1: well, the, the army you took don't have over... To pro- you
0: don't have to pronounce yeah, <laughs> the head no, of the Niger's presidential guard's first name, Jack.
1: They, uh, they appear to have taken over, uh, although it's all very murky, um, and their, their neighbours, the economic community of West African states, ECOWAS, are um, uh, uh, implementing all sorts of sanctions and asset freezes mm. and um, limitations on flights, etc. Et to yeah. try and overturn this. It. So it's all very difficult to know just how it's going to end up. Um, Niger also um, has um, quite significant numbers of French and U.S. troops there that are doing training, etc. cetera. So um, it's all a bit um, hard to pick how it will go.
0: Okay, so, yeah, very deftly uh, uh, avoiding the name of the head of the coup. Uh, His name is General Tiani. I won't pronounce his first name because it's extremely long with a lot of Um, vowels. But uh, he and his cohorts overturned a democratically elected uh, uh, government in Niger, the first peaceful transfer of power uh mohammed bazoum was the president of niger he's been under house arrest and as, as is his family now going on for two weeks jack i see <coughs> excuse me it's a little bit speculative of course but there's a lot of russian flags being waved by uh the uh the those who support the coup in niger jack so Interesting, it would look isn't it
1: so it would look although no one really I have not heard a um, a coherent explanation as to all of that, but but people have noticed that.
0: Well, it's not called the Wagner Group. They're currently rebranding, but I think that might have something to do with it. I also saw that the African Union had a meeting with Putin, members of the African Union, Um, and uh, what was discussed there is their concerns about Ukrainian grain, Jack. Um, Do you think Putin might have been listening? Uh, Could could well have been. I mean, mm. It's one of those things.
1: Time will tell. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll find out I, after it's all I, over.
0: I, I think many African leaders pointed out to him uh, that uh, it would be a complete and utter disaster if that if a, um, a um, uh, if Ukrainian grain wasn't made available too to uh, sub-Saharan Africa. Um, it,
1: the, I, think, the, I, think, I think even the Pope's got involved in, that, in, the, in the grain situation there.
0: Yeah. No, it could be, a, as you've pointed out on numerous occasions last year, it could be a complete not a disaster for countries that are already battling. What I'm seeing in Africa, Jack, is the sort of unions of, of, of countries, um, and um, rather than the old days of having the UN go into places like Rwanda and then making an absolute balls up of it, that, um, that you've got groups of African nations now uh, putting their militaries together to clean up failed states like Somalia for example, um, whether I believe the, the sort of African Union soldiers are still there, many Nigerian troops among them. And it would seem to me that Niger is pretty much on borrowed time um, uh, and can expect that sort of intervention if that's what's, uh, if, if they don't make some announcement about holding, you know, basically presidential elections again. That would be the only you know, basically the 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 the, the great uh, release valve there, wouldn't it?
1: Um, if the uh, if the UN's not allowed to go in, it's going to be very bad news for Toyota and the other makers of white Land Cruisers, um, uh, which seem to be the yeah,
0: a fair few of those around. And, Of course, you've got Islamic extremist groups there too, um, uh, Islamic State linked in Niger, as as across all of Middle Africa. Yeah. yeah. And meanwhile, in South Africa, Jack. It really is becoming disastrous there, isn't it? I wanted to go and have a look at their, and I should have, and I do apologise to listen. want to go and have a look at their economic outlook in terms of GDP growth because it seems to be this the sort of problems that they've got now are, are going to manifest themselves deeply into economic uh, outcomes. Um, but you've got basically, I think we called it a gangster state. Um, yeah. Oh, well, well, they're, they're very, well, very,
1: very close to that, isn't it? They're talking about um, the President's considering a a declaration of a national disaster. Um, This largely arises from their fuel problems, their electricity problems, um, where they have to do load shedding on a regular basis. That is, they turn off the power to to designated areas Mm. to prevent the system from breaking down entirely.
0: Um, I uh, saw an interview a little while ago, would have been over our summer, with the uh, the great... uh, South African, far, one of the great South African fast bowlers, and he was saying it's, it's a daily event, losing powers, having the brownouts is just a daily event
1: in yeah, South Africa. Um,
0: and that's not good for, for it's not just about whether you've got the air conditioning and the lights on, but, you know, for, for manufacturing, uh, for public transport, moving people to and fro, uh, retail, shopping, all this sort of stuff, it's an absolute disaster. Uh, even CNN
1: are caught up with this. Uh, uh, their, their piece starts with car crashes, opportunistic criminals, rotting <laughs> food, decomposing bodies, bankrupt businesses, and water shortages. Welcome to life under South Africa's power blackouts. Going to have um, a bit
0: of a deeper dive, Jack, because we, we, we're going to have to start looking at. Um, uh, economic refugees from South Africa. Yep. We're going to have to start looking at, uh, immigration from South Africa and I want to get a hold of their economic stuff, but, but as it stands and we'll, we'll look at that next week. So we'll pencil that in. But, um, uh, the South African Funeral Practitioners Association, Jack, warned that bodies in mortaries were rapidly decomposing because of the unrelenting electricity outages, putting huge pressure on funeral parlors, struggling to process corpses. Good Lord. That sounds like an Ebola outbreak waiting to happen for a start. It does, doesn't it? Um, uh, I can
1: tell you that uh, a friend who's married to a South African um, uh, was talking about it and um if you like good food and wine, head down to the Cape Country.
0: Um, uh, you'll eat and drink for a pittance. Oh, yeah, that's, and that, so that's the next, so what you're saying in a, in, a, in a sort of understated way is that tourism is just basically stopped or next to nothing. Yeah, and and just because the the, the rand's kind of worthless, so. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, and if you're gonna if they've got a, if they've got any steak in the fridge, they're gonna have to cook it pretty quickly, aren't they? Mm. All that sort of stuff. All right, well, we're going to have a deeper look at South Africa because it looks like a nightmare unfolding. Meanwhile, Jack, um, uh, and this was something that sort of unfolded while we recorded last week, but Spanish elections, uh, basically, the Spanish, uh, the people of Spain. The Spaniards have decided not to decide. Yeah, none of the above, I think. Yeah, um,
1: yeah. They're, they're tick number three. None of the above. You know. So what, um, so what what
0: what happens now? Do they go
1: into a ro- uh, runoff elections? Um, there will there'll probably be another election. Right. Um, uh, so not in, a runoff. There's uh, not a because run-off no because no one's either. going to be able to form much of a government. The the prime minister's probably survived. His uh, Pedro Sanchez. Uh, his party is the PSOE. They're a kind of a centre-left party. Um, uh, they got 122 seats but not enough to form government. Um, the, the right, or in fact, no combination of the right or the left seems to have enough numbers to, to form a government.
0: And, and both parties have actually been in power in relatively recent times. Yep. Um, it, it's fair to say the PSOE, uh, PSOE have been... Uh, in power for longer, but both uh, have sort of been swept from power um, uh, by the people, and so there would be the, 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 what this, what this tells us, what this result tells us, is that um, uh, uh, the people of Spain are not all that, uh, not all that uh, enamoured with their political parties. Uh, none of them, none of the above. There you go. <laughs> Meanwhile, Russia and Ukraine, Jack, we're getting a little bit of. Noise out of um, of eastern Ukraine, Uh, I noticed uh, there was an announcement that uh, uh, resupply and uh, numerous troops were headed from Ukraine, from western Ukraine, into eastern Ukraine, highly trained, highly skilled, uh, and and packing some serious heat. Uh, And, of course, uh, there were drone attacks, another round of drone attacks in Moscow, and that led to... um, uh, that led to Zelensky saying, "This is where this is where we're going to take the battle." Mm. And then, of course, we had the former Russian president Medvedev come up and say, "Look, uh, with nukes are no longer off the table. Well, nukes are on the table again." Mm. Something he says fairly regularly. Um, Do we take it seriously, Jake?
1: Um, now, uh, the interesting take I thought from that was that um, he was talking about. Uh, if the Ukrainians are successful in a way that, that that's more on the table. If they beat us,
0: we'll yeah. We'll, we'll, yeah. So what has happened there, just for the benefit of our listeners, and this is something that was sort of occurring around the uh, the Prigozhin and, and Wagner group um, attempted coup or attempted insurrection, uh, is that um, uh, a Putin basically signed off the what, what's the what's the name of the nuclear treaty they have with the Americans in regard to this. Um it, it, so there's no no longer any monitoring um from either party now on where Russia's nukes are. But we have a still have a fairly strong understanding about where their ICBMs are and what have you. But what they've done is actually move what we call tactical or, or battlefield nuclear weapons from Russia now into Belarus, uh, where if they were used on a battlefield, obviously on a, a fairly large scale, these these weapons are around about between one, these tactical nuclear weapons are between one and 20 kilotons, Um Still do a whole pile of damage and a whole pile of radiation damage. And of course, just to give people some context, um, the um, uh, the bomb dropped on Hiroshima I think was fifteen megatons. Uh, so these are still serious things. I mean, we talk about tactical nuclear, um, the use of tactical nuclear weapons, um, <clears throat> as if it's just you know sort of far away, just battlefield sort of uh, device, but. I can't begin to tell you the sort of retribution that would come Russia's way if they used them. Mm. So Why do they keep putting it on the table, Jack? Why do they keep talking about it? Is it all they've got left?
1: Uh, it, it, it's beginning to look a little bit like that. I, mean, they've got, I think they've got, they, they ought to have more left than that, but perhaps they don't.
0: Well, yeah, they've got things like food blockades and all these things that are going to cause problems along the way. Yeah, well, look, we'll try and give you. There's just so little reporting coming out of uh, coming out of eastern Ukraine. We know that there's been a serious ejection of of uh, uh, of troops and weaponry uh, from it's a lot the of Ukrainian speculation. Side. Not much reporting. It would be my uh, We we do you know with the last bit of um, controversy around this was when the Americans agreed to give uh, the Ukrainians cluster munitions. Uh, one of the reasons that they did so was to um, clear a lot of mine, mined mine areas. It's a shall we say fairly fairly blunt way of dealing with uh, landmine landmine tracks of ground. Just spread, just let rid of uh, get, get uh, let rip with uh, cluster munitions, and they'll explode most of the landmines, and and they'll have a few unexploded munitions themselves. Not really a great response, anyway. Jack sport, just. Been keeping us alive the last. So much going on last night, so much going on over the weekend. Um, we uh, we we must start with the ashes. Um, completely obliterated in TV ratings with uh, with the Australia v Canada game in 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 the soccer. Um, only only eight hundred and seventy thousand patriotic Australians of which I was one watched the game while the soccer was on. Um, and of course England won uh, uh, blew Australia uh, away uh, rather rapidly. Um, it looked like Australia was cruising to a unlikely victory there when Smith and head were together and then one of my favorite cricketers Moe Narley, came along and stitched them up and um, and that was that so it's two all. And um, uh, five tests of great cricket are over. It's a bit sad in a way. The, um, uh,
1: the end, I'm, I'm afraid, it didn't surprise me. It, it, that's why it's very rare for sides to run down big fourth inning scores. Yes, it it, it is. often looks like they're cruising to victory and then the it, wicket's I think it would completely.
0: have been the eighth biggest run chase in yeah. test history.
1: And as has happened many, many times in the past, once the wickets started to fall, they fell pretty quickly. Yeah, they do. They, they um, did a but, bit, but a, ter- a terrific series, very even. Um, uh, uh, four very even tests, and one test where one side dominated, but the rain intervened.
0: That. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, I mean, England's England saying they should have been three-two, but it wasn't because of the weather. I just went back to the first two tests, Jack, and uh, and looked at England's side. Uh, now they had Wood unavailable, and I think Wokes was unavailable through injury. I may be wrong about Wokes, but uh, in the second test, which Australia won, that was the that was the kerfuffle at Lords. Uh, they had um, their bowling attack was Broad, Anderson, Tongue, and uh, Ollie Anderson. Robinson. Ro- Robinson, I'm sorry, sorry, yes, of course, and um, and that was a pop-gun attack, wasn't it? I mean, Broad's a great bowler, and, and so so is Jimmy, but but it was a relative pop gun attack. And and for me it all changed when Wood and Wokes came into that side. W- Wokes was fantastic yesterday too, bowled beautifully. Um, um well, Jimmy, Jimmy was a great bowler. Um, I think he's
1: cooked. Um, yeah, he's, uh, you've got plenty so of English saying. fans who will tell you that they lost it at the selection table, firstly by picking Besto and not folks. Um, uh, and there's a good argument to be made that they lost the first test because of that that choice with all the drop catches um, uh, all the miss stumpings etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm. um the yeah
0: you know
1: i think yeah, but, but
0: mind you i think australia I mean, made could, a yeah I, I, I mean look you could say to it you, you could say particularly in the fifth test i mean let, let's get it out there I mean, England played six tests in 60 days australia played six in 54. I mean, that's an enormous amount of Test cricket to be playing in such a short time. And we talked about, I think maybe this last week, how tired just a young player like Cameron Green looked. And and you could see it with all of the players, not just the Australians, but all of the mm. players. They were really <laughs> running low on energy. I, I think there's something that they're, they're really I know that they've got 100 starting today in England and and all this sort of stuff. But they're really, you really need to be a bit more sensible about this. Yeah. However, in selection, I was, I, I was hoping that Michael Neeser might come into the side, perhaps for Josh Hazelwood. I would have given you a longer tail, a longer better tail for a start. But I just thought they needed to freshen up their bowlers a little bit. They lost Nathan Lyon at Lords, of course, which is a huge, a huge blow. Um, but I think uh, the young Echukin did pretty well for himself in the last test. He did. Mind you, the English lock Jack,
1: lost Jack Leach, who's no Joe, uh, no Nathan Lyon, but has been a very good bowler during the baseball. Yeah, um, good point. Um, good point. Uh, operations, a- and they lost him for the whole series. So. Yeah. So um, all very even. Broad's retired. Um, uh, yes, he has. And uh, been a, a wonderful competitor, a great cricketer. Um, uh, I think the English, I told my English friends that they owe Hopper's Crossing Cricket Club uh, a debt of gratitude Um Broad did a, a lovely interview uh, some weeks ago where he said, well, I arrived at Hopper's Crossing um, having played school cricket in a very gentlemanly fashion, and, and I was quickly schooled in the um, uh, in a much tougher way of going about playing cricket, and I was mowing lawns for, for a quid during the week and stacking supermarket shelves, and it was the making of it. Yeah,
0: look, I actually uh, contacted. There was a bit of... Um, and I think it might have been around the time when he uh, when he nicked one the first slip and didn't walk, which is his right, and I would never argue with that. Uh, uh, um, but he became a, 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 a cricketer that Australians love to hate, and so I got hold of the president of Hopper's Crossing uh, Cricket Club, and it's a sub-district side playing in Melbourne's mm. West, and... Uh, And 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 then from there I spoke to a number of other cricketers from the club, and 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 they said he was just a terrific player. He was just a fantastic guy to have there, and you can tell he's a he's a really decent player. I thought the the way they conducted themselves on the on the on the field was fantastic. But Jack, just just to add to that little bit of conspiracy, what about the ball
1: replacement? I mean, uh, yeah, I was I was WhatsApping my English friends, and saying, look, I know it's within
0: the rules, but is it within
1: the spirit of the it's game? Not in the rules. <laughs> I mean,
0: uh, I think we need to have a royal commission into it. I mean, <laughs> certainly the umpires they picked up a couple of balls that looked like um, uh, they looked like the the one that was in use uh, on the fourth day, or the fourth night, fourth evening. Yeah, they threw them away, and and basically threw them a new rock. Um, <laughs> Ricky Ricky Ponding was particularly um, upset about all this it just looked it looked uh, it looked a bit probably 30 overs newer and harder and then this is what the batsmen were saying, I mean Gideon Hay made the point today where well, you've still got to be able to swing it and you've still got to be able to uh, use the fingers to make it uh, uh, move off the deck um, but um. um
1: And Gideon Gideon also made the point they might have been better off if it didn't swing
0: quite so much because they were swinging it past the edge of the bat a lot. And and just to give you an idea, I mean, the conditions were as suitable as they had been on the fourth day for swing and, and sideways movement, but nothing was happening. New ball comes along. This happens periodically in cricket and... While well, we're giving Stuart Broad a rap, let's not forget he whinges and whines until the umpires finally get sick of him and uh, decide they're going to uh, uh, decide they're going to change the ball. I do have to read uh, Jack, um, uh, and I'll read very briefly from uh, one of our listeners, Phil Whitehead, about the game and and look, he might have been just a touch premature of this, Jack. As uh, I received this letter. Uh, last week, um, it seems to me, says Phil, that despite Australia both leading the series and retaining their earned through, through four Test, discourse around the relative performance of captains Pat Cummins and Ben Stokes has been remarkably one-sided in favour of the losing skipper. Fair point. Well, it's more than fair to hold Cummins accountable for a times painfully ineffective bowling and field placements in the last two tests. The level of frustration caused by his decisions has apparently aided in shielding Stakes from receiving his share of criticism for what have been ultimately more significant errors in judgment as as a captain. Fans, past players, and journalists from both hemispheres have lambasted Cummins for his overuse of short pitch bowling in the England tail to the England tail, and rightly so. He also has seemed stubborn and unwilling to to alter an approach that is not working. I'll go on. The errors made by Stokes, he says, although fewer in number and more difficult for the casual cricket fan to identify in tweet form, have been more directly impactful to the outcome of the series. Worse, though, is the attitude of the man himself when the English press, so infamous for their brutality when things go badly, lob him with softball to accept responsibilities for his mistakes. When asked about the premature declaration at Baston, a first test, Stokes has repeatedly defended forfeiting the advantage to Australia after scoring almost 400 runs on the first day, which becomes decisive when you consider Australia won the match by only two wickets. This piles into comparison with his decision-making Old Trafford, where in a must-win situation, he displayed a remarkable lack of situational awareness by not declaring prior to lunch on day four. It goes on. Uh, but I gather, well, you can gather that, uh, that uh, Phil is not a fan of Ben Stokes. <laughs> I think he's a terrific captain is it very adventurous and and sometimes that goes wrong
1: oh yeah and just the, and English fans friends of France and mine are being critical of the preparation you know they lost the first test on the the difference in the first test was the amount of no balls and um, and drop catches you know yeah. But mind you, Australians five, the Australians dropped five on the first morning of the last test. That You could certainly argue that cost them
0: the test. I was having a bit of a yell at the television at the time. Mm. Um, there were a couple of sitters actually dropped and, mm. um, and one very difficult one. Sitters commit, but,
1: dropped by blokes who can catch.
0: Well, Dave Warner had so much tape on his hands. It just, you know, <laughs> I don't know how he's able to put the hands together. Mm. Um, but uh, probably... Well, definitely the last time Dave Warner, Steve Smith, uh, Usman Khawaja, uh, probably Josh Hazelwood, Mitchell Stark, but the last time they play in England in an Ashes series. There's no doubt about that, I guess. It's no great surprise. So it was their last lunge for a 2-1 or a 3-1, and it just didn't come off. And I think the result in the end reflected the, the level of the cricket. Um, oh, look, it, look it, it could, they
1: were so close, those test matches. In fact, almost every session was so even um, that um, it really could have been 4-zip uh, uh, or uh, either way or 2-2 two, two or 3-1 either way. You know, yeah. it, it really came down to moments.
0: On, on, on paper for me, Australia was superior in the first two tests, but when Wokes and Wood were introduced to the England side, might have just given him the edge. I mean, Woods a, a hell of a good bowler. He looked like he was in a lot of pain yesterday because he, des- you know, he, he doesn't back up. He all doesn't all. back up, and and he just bowls, You know, that, his first spell. Um, where would that have been? Was it old? No, it wouldn't have been Old Trafford, but but in the third in the third test, um, uh, you know, he was bowling. His first,
1: first he came into the well, side for
0: ninety
1: six. Came into the side for heading.
0: Yeah, that's right. So he he was he, he was not head, not Headingley. Uh, oh yes, yes, you're right. Yes, I'm getting um, yeah yeah yeah. Yes, he came in and and was bowling just uh, lightning bolts and because really. He was, did. He was not,
1: notably off the pace yesterday. He was much slower yesterday.
0: Yeah, had a bruised heel apparently, and and started you know that old trick of falling over. But I, I think Wokes too was just a an incredible contributor. Really does do a lot with the ball off the deck and um, and made it very difficult for the Australians. So, great series uh, over. Australia don't play Test cricket now until, I think, December. Uh, England don't play it for, for ages. It's just going to be a lot of hit and miss, um, hit and giggle sort of stuff for a while. And, and on the 100 in, in the UK, And we might say, as as Gideon said uh, this morning, you know, God bless Test cricket, but we're not going to be seeing it for a little while now. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we just got to got to quickly move on to the weekend's results here with the Wallabies, copying an absolute spankerin from uh, the All Blacks, uh, and this led to uh, Eddie Jones coming up with uh, a number of uh, odd sort of theories. Um, is he doing the right thing, sticking with the, sticking with the right people? Oh, who knows. Um, I think the problems
1: in, in Australian rugby are much deeper than the, than the yeah. team or the, or the or the or the or the coach. I, mean, um, I noticed that the Wallabies were fined for apostasy by not sh- showing sufficient respect to the um, ridiculous haka. Um, uh, that's gotten well
0: out of but hand. Uh, it's uh, become uh, a religion. What this is? This is a st- <laughs> they're doing it in the soccer now, Jack. It's this is. Mm, this is, yeah, this is it's you know, quite ridiculous. Well, why? Anyway, tell me, but, tell me why. No, 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 come on. You can't just stop there. It's quite ridiculous. Well, it's a cultural artifact and uh, you don't like it? Well, what's uh, the problem? Have a, uh, just, just Google for yourself um, on
1: YouTube uh, after we finish the 1979 hacker from the All Blacks against the, the Barbarians. That's what it used to be like. The lamest thing you've ever seen in your life. This is all quite recent. It's not ancient um, uh, and it's become a religion.
0: Well, Mary said so, so. Medieval, they arrived in New Zealand in medieval era, so not ancient. But um, yes, uh, I, don't I don't know. That doesn't uh, it doesn't worry me so much. But uh, whenever I don't other mind if they do it. I don't think anybody else has to
1: respect it. That's
0: what I think. But yeah, but I mean, but I, I know enough about rugby to say that anyone who disrespects the har- the harker normally get their asses handed to them about about eighty minutes later. So uh, there's a real, uh, there's a real uh, disincentive to do that. Um, uh, we'll just move on to the Women's World Cup, Jack. Uh, New Zealand out. Australia through to the next stage after a 4-0 win over Canada. Over 2 million Australians. Watch that game, Jack. Uh, and they will go through after a, a loss to Nigeria uh, over the weekend.
1: Yeah, yeah like, like all tournament games, I, really, I don't really get all that interested until the quarterfinals or the semis, you know.
0: F- friends of mine, uh, family actually went and uh, watched the uh, Germany columbia game and uh, left. The, <laughs> unfortunate enough to be ticketed for a seat next to the Colombian crowd, and they reckon you know for a couple of couple of days later they were, <laughs> were still having ringing in their ears. Very loud, very loud people.
1: Yeah, well, I, uh, I think I think it's terrific that women's sports getting um, drawing some crowds. And, uh, they're always saying we want equal pay or we want more money, um, the only way you get that is to draw a crowd. So it's great that they're actually getting what they want.
0: Oh, bigger crowds, uh, yes, indeed, bigger crowds. And I think was certainly bigger than the Ashes over the weekend, bigger than any other sporting event, <laughs> including the Bl- Bladisloe or broadcast live free to air. Um, Jack, uh, on, uh, or yesterday, uh, the great Lance Buddy Franklin announced his retirement after uh, suffering a calf injury over the weekend and just knew it was going to be too much to get him back. He's 36 uh, and uh, he announced his retirement to uh, to the club and then the club uh, showed a bit of footage of him uh, speaking to the players and, uh, and then they took it from there. Uh, just an ornament to the game, Jack. One yeah, of the great uh, legends of the game.
1: Yeah, um, he's not the best footballer I've seen, but I, I, he's the most watchable footballer I've ever seen. I think he just... Um, He just caught the eye, and in part because um, a a tremendous athlete, just a wonderful athlete. He had great skills with some limitations, Um, but um, he just played with such love for the game that it was infectious.
0: Indeed, yeah, a wonderful, wonderful footballer uh, for mine. Never strong overhead. So it wasn't, Hardly took it, a pack, Mark, in his which career. He right? took a few, but not many. It wasn't his go. It wasn't his strength. The, the, his strength was when the ball's on the deck. And, and that was, you know, so he's got the build and body and the speed of a 400-metre runner uh, with delicious skills on left and right foot. Um, and banged, it, banged over a 1,000 goals. He will be sorely missed from the game. I hope the Sydney Swans, I'm sure they plan to keep him around the club, um, buddy, I don't think he's a media guy, so I don't think he said it to there. But uh, he would be picked, uh, snapped up by any AFL club in whatever role he chooses to, uh, to 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 take. He speaks to the media slightly more than Bruce Dill did. Yeah, he's not a fan. He's not, not going to be jumping up in the commentary box anytime soon. Bit like Plugger, <laughs> who uh, walked away from the game, um, uh, and. Uh, uh, and didn't have much to say to anybody about it for a very, very long time. Um, um, so that takes us out, Jack. Well, no, you're going to take us out with something weird.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet another candidate for the Republican nomination for the, uh, the presidency of the United States. Uh, this is a fellow um, from New Jersey. Uh, he's a, an Indian chap called Hirsch Singh, or as an American um, uh, mate of mine would put it, he's an Indian, dot not feather, um, and um, oh, no. he's <laughs> he's uh, he has a long track record of being a candidate in everything, um, oh, yeah. but
0: not but not succeeding. And indeed, he's last well, I, we we know this because he's never been uh, never been inducted as the uh, as president of the United States yet. No, no. But he, he's, in fact, but last last election, uh, I couldn't find a
1: confirmation of this. But he said the last election he stood for uh, was to get on his, uh, the board of his condominium, um, uh, and, he, <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he missed that as well.
0: <laughs> oh, you got to have a bloke of as a try, though, Jack, don't you? uh so this is what we call mail-in candidates aren't they you know people yeah. who pop their hands up and you and it's a weird and wonderful long list when you actually look at it you think presidential campaigns are donald trump or joe biden just basically one-on-one contests but uh, they really are you have a long list of mail-in candidates and many many weirdos amongst them all right thank you very much for your for your thoughts and your opinions today jack um and uh, we just want to thank our listeners for tuning in once again and uh, a quick reminder to drop us a line just as Phil did. Uh, and uh, let us know. In fact, we've got another rant from uh, from Baseman, and I'll, I'll get that to you next week as well, Jack, uh, and for our listeners. But, yeah, yeah, look, if you do want to contribute to the program, please do. You can hit me up on Twitter. I don't spend a lot of time in there, but I do check my DMs a couple of times a day. Um, so that's at Jack the Insider, or you can drop us a line at the conditional release program at gmail.com. Or, Jack, you can hit up Jack on... Hongkongjack.substack.com. You can complain about my poor jokes. There you go. And and please do, by the way. Um, shame. Shame this man. All <laughs> right, listeners, thanks very much. We'll talk to you next week.